Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in to the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court. I'm Mac McDonald. He is Ralph Sampson. Great show for you today. If you want to talk rivalry, I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. Ralph, how you been? What's been going on? Oh, it's good. It's cold, Mac. You know, it's chilly weather. Snow uh, season is here. I had to go chase some cows uh, with my <laughs> uncle uh, not too long ago and help out there a little bit. They broke out? Yeah, they got free... There was no water. You know, the water froze, so we had to figure it out. So I'm just trying to do some stuff like that. But it was it's fun just to get out. Uh, you know, last year wasn't as bad. This year, snow is kind of crazy. It's freezing in Charlottesville, but right. I can't complain. I'm in the house and I'm warm. I'm warm. Yeah. Do you wear boots and a straw hat when you're uh, working on the farm? I just have to know. Back size 17 boots is just <laughs> tough to get, and so I do. I do have them. I do have them, but they're so heavy, it's hard to get around when you're chasing something that's 700 pounds, trying to get them back in the pen. Uh, good stuff. Well, today, Mike Burnup is our guest. Uh, Mike has been just a mainstay in the state of Virginia and Virginia Tech. And uh, I think he's he's been with the radio network since 1983, but he played tight end. He he just knows everything about everything in college athletics. And it'll be just a, a, a great talk today a great uh, speech today from mike looking forward to catching up with him i've known him for a long time his wife passed away from cancer i believe it was it was about eight nine years ago and uh he's just a, he's an inspirational guy and he loves his hokies and he just uh and he loves people and he's just a terrific guy anyway looking forward uh to that visit which leads me to ask you i remember in the early 80s of course tech wasn't in the league they didn't get to the acc until 04 uh, do you remember the tech Virginia basketball rivalry at that time. And, uh, you know, Del Curry was behind you a few years, but do you remember that rivalry and having to play in Richmond and Roanoke? It was always a neutral court game. Yeah. We would never play on each other's home court for whatever reason. I don't know why, but we never played each other's home court. It had to be in the Coliseum in Richmond or mm -hmm. the Roanoke Civic Center. So right. it was definitely, uh, and then, you know, back, you remember the New York, I mean, the, uh, a Richmond Town Dispatch Tournament. Right. And back in those days, we would play in Richmond, and we would play, and they would play in it as well. So those were fun games, uh, state rivalry type game. Yeah. But it, it was it was fun. It was fun to get that, and then football still had the rivalry as well, like it does today. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I enjoyed going to Richmond and playing at the Coliseum. It was special for me to do that. Yeah, because and it just that, that home and home. And of course, uh, when when uh, Senator George Allen put together, you know, told the ACC, look, we got to get you into the league. And then, of course, the rivalry really ramped up in 04. And we'll talk to uh, Mike Burnup about that and what it really meant for uh, Virginia Tech and also their new coach, Brent Pry. So we'll get into uh, all of that. Looking forward to it. Also coming up later in the show, Ralph gives us a restaurant update. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Hi, this is Mac McDonald, host of Center Court. I've known Ralph Sampson for over 40 years. I watched him grow as a basketball player, achieving greatness at the University of Virginia and at the professional level. I always admired his work ethic and the things he did to be the best. Since he founded the Sampson Family Foundation, so many people, young and old, have benefited from Ralph's efforts. The mission for the foundation is simple, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. If you'd like to learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. So we took this big old Marantz tape recorder, went down to Wake Forest and Winston-Salem, got credentials, we were on top of the press box in two chairs, and we went back and forth and called that football game on tape, drove back to Blacksburg, listening to it on the radio, and he was giving me some pointers and whatnot. And then we opened up the next season against Wake Forest at home, and that's kind of how we got started. You're listening was, uh, to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And Ralph, a special guest today, Mike Burnup from Virginia Tech. He played tight end on the football team and has been around the, the Hokie family for a long, long time. It was 1983 when, when he became a broadcaster, and that was after his couple of years in the World Football League. He had a cup of coffee with the Buffalo Bills before he got cut, went back, got his master's, met his wife, and then all of a sudden just became this fixture with the Virginia Tech family. And uh, for, for nearly 40 years, he has been broadcasting games. And I'm not, I'm not so sure there is anyone – in the state or in the Atlantic Coast Conference, I'm not sure there's any place where somebody has disagreed or disliked Mike Burnup. He's that kind of guy. Mike, have you ever, ever had anybody dislike you? <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's some out there. You know how that goes. Hey, Mike, it's probably somewhere in an interview <laughs> where you interview somebody, you ask a question they didn't like, and like, okay, great. So I'm sure we, we, we all have that, right? Sure. I mean, yeah, somebody threw under the bus by accident. Yeah, yeah, you had to do that. And for you, it could go back to your playing days. You know, yeah, he dunked on me one time or that kind of thing. Or oh, I'm sure they're out there, Mackers. Nobody, everybody's got a skeleton in the closet, right? Yeah, I guess. And you were there. Weren't you a Buffalo right around the O.J. Simpson uh, time, right? Yeah, you know, it was kind of interesting. So when uh, after I finished the Tech, uh, I played two years in the World Football League because that, that league was out and about. And I just didn't make it, right? So I was in Jacksonville, Florida the first year with the Jacksonville Sharks. That was mm. kind of the team of the Oakland Raiders. You know, they had that black and silver and gold, not gold, black and silver, and the shark on the side of the helmet. I still got that helmet. And uh, they drew well to Gator Bowl. I mean, they were one of the best franchises in terms of attendance. 
And, you know, that team folded up near the end of the season the first year. And the second year, I went to Shreveport, Louisiana, and played with the Shreveport Steamer out there. And then the whole league kind of folded up. And that was when the Zonka, the kick, the Warfield, all those guys were going to jump from the NFL, right, to the uh, WFL. And yeah. all that went there in wrong places and whatnot. So, anyway, the league didn't survive. So, yeah, when I finally got the shot at Buffalo, OJ was there. Uh, they had that great offensive line with Reggie McKenzie and Joe Delamalure and all those guys in the tight ends, you know, were, were great players. I think Ruben Gant was there from SMU. He was an All-American. And, boy, to make this team, you got to be pretty lucky. Had a great time, you know. Niagara Falls is where he had training camp. And it was a blast. Wouldn't trade it for anything. But, yeah, it got cut the second exhibition game. I guess we're getting ready to play Pittsburgh. So that was kind of the end of that. A rude awakening at that time? Yeah, you know, it's tough on everybody. I mean, everybody would love to play at that level. And uh, just so much of it, you got to be lucky. It's like, you know, you try to get into the Canadian Football League and they have rules about you can only have so many American players and they got to be certain skill positions or whatnot. So, yeah, it was difficult. And um hate to see it, but, I mean, guys weren't making that much money back then anyway. So, so I came back and uh, kind of stayed around uh, Blacksburg, Virginia Tech, you know, got a master's degree and all that sort of thing. And um, that's kind of how it all got back started. Wow. So you come, you come back after all that. I mean, you know, you hear stories about, you know, people getting opportunities to even get around the sport and have the opportunity to get there. Obviously, you have some talent to go to the World Football League and up to the Buffalo Bills and see all that. What was it like when you got the call to come to the Bills, at least to be a part of that? I mean, that had to be a good feeling. Uh, in your career about, you know, just making it that far. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, at that point, you're thinking you're never going to play again. And I can remember the last game I played in Shreveport before the season over. It was like the best game I'd played because they didn't have, like, um, extra points. They had these things called action points. You, <laughs> remember that, Mac? You, you, know, you yeah. might not remember that either. Action point. Scored a touchdown in that game. I caught an action point for <laughs> two other passes. It was like the best game I'd played, you know, in that in the league. And I thought, God, that's a heck of a way to end it. But, yeah, you got another shot to go uh, to play at that level. I think I went to a training camp in um, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Not a, not a camp, but like a, a trial. They timed me and did that sort of thing. And then they gave me a shot. So I went up there and I guess the Rich Stadium back then it was called. And it was in the uh, probably – after the draft, maybe the first part of May, still had snow in the stands up in the corners. Mm-hmm. Went through a mini camp weekend uh, and got invited back. And um, yeah, just came back. But just, you know, you just, you got to get a little, you got to be a little bit lucky uh, when you're at that level and uh, just didn't, wasn't good enough and big enough and strong enough and all those sort of things. So, but I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. It was great. You could be a trivia question then. Name, name the last name the last steamer to catch an action point. I mean, <laughs> that could be that could be that uniforms like the Green Bay Packers. If you look at OJ, if you've never seen him in person, he's got the biggest head. Yeah, you ever seen him, Ralph? I mean, you probably. I, I've met him a few times. He's got a big head. I agree with that. He's, he's got a noggin now. I mean, that head that was something else, man. But I mean, it was like OJ's rules and everybody else's rules. I mean, he practiced when he wanted to. He had his day off. You know, it was that. Yeah, it was pretty loose back then. I mean, he got beat up so bad during the week. He took not, needed a couple of days off because the body was just wore out. Well, prior to that, you had the relationship with Coach Arians, right? 
from Tampa because he was playing football at Tech, right, when you were there? He was at Tech, yeah. He came in, and uh, he was from York, Pennsylvania, and uh, he went to a Catholic high school, kind of like I did at Ronald Catholic in Salem. You know, those people at Andrew Lewis still didn't like me very much. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty good football team back in the day with Eddie Joyce. You know, they had mm -hmm. championships there, and I lived probably a mile away from Andrew Lewis, but went to Ronald Catholic and uh, never caught the end of that one. But anyway, so, yeah, but Bruce was uh, up from York, came down. He was the backup quarterback to Don Strzok his, uh, his other years. And so, yeah, I got to know Bruce really well, uh, stayed in touch with him through the years. We used to play softball together. Uh, in the off season, we'd go play these tournaments in the spring and summer and whatnot. And of course, he married his high school sweetheart, Chris. They're still married. You know, I was down there last summer for his 50th anniversary, uh, and we had an absolute blast at his lake house. And uh, that was, of course, after they had won the Super Bowl. And you know, I texted him all the time. Texted him before the game the other day and after the game. Uh, just sick of how that thing ended. I mean, yeah, yeah. out there going to overtime and have a great shot to get it in overtime and just uh, so disappointed and bummed out over that. But he's a terrific guy. He's done well. You know, he got those three Super Bowl rings, two as an assistant with Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. And, uh, you know, he's got his own from Tampa Bay. But, you know, the crazy thing is, Mac and Ralph, you think about this, all the places that Bruce has been, you know, he was with all those teams in the NFL, the Pittsburghs, the Indianapolis, the Cardinals, and all those spots he's been in, Alabama's and Mississippi State's and – but you go to his lake house down there in Lake Oconium, Georgia, and what does he got? He's got a Virginia Tech flag hanging out front, awnings that cover his boats, Virginia Tech awnings. They opened up their season against uh, Dallas the opening Thursday, and so he had that Saturday off. So they flew him up and uh, came up and went to the Middle Tennessee game. Uh, he gave uh, made a substantial donation, got the quarterback room named after him, and they wined and dined him for – you know, the, that night and the next day. And we had an absolute blast. It was so much fun. Mike Burnup, our guest, a longtime radio broadcaster, longtime Virginia Tech uh, guy, and, and just has done uh, so much in the state. He's also a sportscaster of the year. So he's got that award as well. And one more before we go to break. You played with the ever-famous Don Strock as well, right? The stroker, man. Don, he could flat wing the ball now. He was – you know, the crazy thing is, guys, though, is like Jerry Claiborne was my coach back then, the first two years. Mm -hmm. And he's like a defensive guy. He believed in if you throw the football, three things can happen, and two of them are bad, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he cut his teeth on defense and special teams, and that's where Frank Beamer came from, right? Defense, special teams, Beamer ball, all that sort of stuff. But for some reason, Claiborne could recruit quarterbacks, and he had some really good ones. When you think about Strzok, a 6'5", 6'6", he could have played in college. He could have played football, basketball. Yeah. Ball. He was a great athlete, all-state guy and all those out of Pennsylvania. And Gil Schwab, another one, same size. Bob German out of Virginia Beach. Princess Ann, same type of kid, 6'4", 6'5", throw the ball. So when, when Jerry Claiborne got fired and Charlie Coffey came in, he had Dan Henning was his offensive coordinator. Well, you know, Dan Henning had been around the NFL for forever, seemingly coaching, yeah. you know, Carolina and and he was the head coach of Boston College for a while in the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that guy was an offensive genius. Well, he, you know, he could discover Strzok. And, boy, Don owes him a lot of his career because he kind of discovered him. That's how he became the starter. And uh, that's how he kind of parlayed that into the Miami Dolphin draft pick in uh, all those years in the NFL. I guess when you think back through college and you think about all the great friends that you made and whatnot, and then you think about the fact that, 
uh, I met Ellen here, my wife. Met her in volleyball class when I think I was a junior in college. She was also a PE major. Inexplicably, she got cancer. You still have the memories, but you always wonder about what could have been down the road. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Mac McDonald and Ralph Sampson, our guest, Hall of Famer Mike Burnup from Virginia Tech, who covered and witnessed Frank Beamer's entire career. Now, Mike, that's got to be pretty special, huh? You know, it's amazing, Mac, when you think about this, Ralph, too, because, you know, it's kind of um, unknown. Or, uh, you can't you can't believe that would really happen. So I actually am the only person on the face of the earth when you think about this. I watched Frank Beamer play because I was being recruited up here when he was a player, okay? Wow. I was at the conference when they hired him from Murray State. I <laughs> coached, I was at every play of every game he ever coached, and I was there when he resigned and retired. At the end of that, uh, after the Boston College game, we're up there on a on a weekend right before Halloween, won the game, and then that Sunday morning they announced the press conference that he was going to step down at the end of the year. And so the Independence Bowl, which is where the first bowl game that he took the team to back in 1993, that's where it all ended, was at the Independence Bowl wow. his career. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to see every play of every game he called when he got hired and when he resigned and when he retired and and all that, and uh, yeah, what a what an incredible job he did putting Virginia Tech on the map. I guess sounds like a book to me. Okay, you got the beginning and the end. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, that's going to be rare that one person can be there and, and watch him play at, at that, right? Yeah, how about that? He'll watch his career, watch every football game he ever coached. I mean, that's uh, that's impressive. Yeah, and even the one game he didn't coach, he had that angioplasty incident, incident where he had to get to the surgery done, and Billy Height. Mac, you'll remember old Billy Height. Mm -hmm. Billy coaching that game against Tulane. And so he's like, he keeps that in mind. I'm always, I'm only, I'm the only one undefeated coach, Virginia. <laughs> I, I guess, how, how did Billy do? So if he did all right, then okay, great. That's, you know. He did. He won that one game. So he was good. And JC Price, it was so funny this year. You know, I told JC Price about that after Coach Fu got uh, let go at the JC. I said, you know, Billy Heights 1 0 now. And, you know, you got, you got a couple games here. You can try to be undefeated. But that uh, didn't work out for him. And uh, JC still remembers that. You you bring up a great question, not so much to talk about Justin uh, exactly, but what causes a transition? You, you know, you've been around college athletics for a long time. When coaching, you know, Chris Mack of Louisville basketball, what do you think causes a transition? What starts to happen? Well, a lot of it goes back to some of the high rolling money givers, right? I mean, they think that uh, they can't get the job done, you know, and that, that noise started around here with Coach Fu a year ago in spite of all the COVID mess, trying to have a team that's even eligible to go play. You know, there were people that were getting disgruntled about the offense and the way things were and the lack of recruits and playmakers that you had. And then I think the other thing that happens is there's, there's a disconnect somewhere between the administration and the coaching staff. There's, something happens, you know, there's mm -hmm. disconnect and, and it gets to be a little bit of a, a contest, if you know what I mean. And so, you know, there's just, uh, there's not that trust and loyalty between the two and uh, things just kind of go south from there. And, you know, that Chris Mack thing is a hot mess from last year when all that was going on. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where it is, you know, the money people get involved, 
And now, nowadays, we, you, you, the money's just insane with what's happening with the lack of rules with the NCAA and the NIL and transfer portal. I mean, the things, things have gotten out of control. It's kind of out of whack. So, but that's kind of those two things I think would be my main uh, things to stick my finger on. We'll come back to the NIL in a second, but these administrations, these schools, ADs or whoever presidents, and it, it boils down to dollars and cents for sure, but they hire these coaches for some reason, right? And then some yeah. way, shape, or form down the road, something goes haywire, right? And then they want to fire this guy. The same people that want to hire you, now want to fire you because you ain't doing what, what we thought you could do. And the coach, I've seen this number of times before, with a coach saying, well, it's going to take two or three years to build it back and, you know, and we could do this, but it's going to give me some time. Right, give me some time to put this together, and that time is like cut short when something happens. So I've seen that numbers of times, and I think I see it now with Louisville in that situation. I was on the phone with Dale Griffin the other day on a on a team call with some people, and I said, Dale, you you will get the nod to be the coach. He said, No, I don't, I don't even want that. And then they want to bring <laughs> back Rick. Now they want to bring back Rick Pitino. Yeah, I mean they, those guys, they like they resurface. Bobby I mean, <laughs> Pitino. I mean we're. I mean, that guy, what he did there and how he ended up and he leaves the, end of the middle of the season and he, the, all the messes that he was in, it's like, how does that happen? <laughs> some of them are just living in this other world somewhere. But And then like some, when it's all said and done, how do you have these contracts where at the end of it, you're going to fire the guy and they walk away with six, seven, eight million dollars? We'll, we'll take that contract and fire me. Fire me if you yeah. want, right? That's right. You you'd love to walk away from that, right, Mac? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fire me. I'm out. <laughs> so, Mike, then what does what what did you see? In fact, your opinion. What did you see in Brent Price's uh, eyes when he got hired? And by the way, I loved what J.C. Price did, and I loved how he handled the media. I loved how he handled the transition. And I don't want to let that go without stating that. But what what did you see in Brent Price? You know, he, he, he's kind of taking a step back in time, really, because I remember Brent when he came here as a GA. It was so funny. You go back to another Billy Hyde story. And so Brent Pryor was, you know, his father was coaching at VMI, and he was playing at Lexington. He was in Lexington, Virginia. And Brent wanted to be a GA at Virginia Tech. And he just continued to blow Billy Hyde's phone up. Hey, man, I want to be a GA. I want to be a GA. You know, well, we got nothing open right now. And he just calling him and bugging him. Billy said he probably called him 50 times hmm. from however long that was. And finally, you know, I think he said he went to Brian Steinspring or somebody. He says, who is this guy? What is, what is the deal? Why does he want to come here so bad? And so then when he got there, this is in the mid nineties, 95, I guess, Brent comes in as a GA and stayed for those three years. And, you know, that's when Virginia tech started getting on the map, right? They go to the sugar bowl in 1995, beat Texas. A 28 to 10 after being down 10 to nothing. J.C. Price was there at that point in time. He was the senior on that team. And, you know, then they're starting a little old streak and they got it going. And so I think Brent Pry, he knew, you know, Bud Foster and Frank Beamer and the way things were and all that sort of stuff, the work ethic, you know, the putting the fence up around the state or, you know, all the things that uh, Coach mm -hmm. Beamer did. And he was kind of a step back in time. And I think he understood all that, uh, the history, the tradition. And I think that's why, you know, he was – High on the um, on the on the uh, map as far as potential candidates, he gets the job. Now you got to get better players, clearly, and it goes back to now recruiting and the portal and 
all those sort of things. But I think he's going to do a fantastic job. How do you recruit in the portal? I mean, some kid wants to just transfer and and uh, come to your school and think they're going to get more time. And uh, you got a staff now that just totally recruiting on the portal instead of out of high school. It's just kind of a crazy world we live in today. But I don't know how that's going to work. That, that you're exactly right, Ralph. I mean, that's what they do. They have the the recruiting department that does high school recruits and all that sort of thing. And then you got a whole staff that's just at the portal. That's all they do. Look at that portal all day, every day. There are so many kids in there. It's unbelievable. And, you know, the grass, they think, is always greener on the other side, right? I mean, these kids are leaving right and left. You know, they get mad at a coach or they get mad because they got benched or they get mad because they're not enough playing time or they don't get targeted enough and whatnot. And they just think that they can go somewhere else and do that. And it's just, it's not good in my mind. Uh, but you just see what teams do. Just think about basketball, Ralph, like in your neck of the woods. Look what Wake Forest was able to do. I mean, Steve Forbes has got a heck of a team. He gets mm. in man, and they, they're good. Look at Miami. We played them last night. Those kids that they got on that team, that Charlie Moore's been everywhere. And now they got one of the best teams in the ACC. So, you know, you can live and die with that portal. And the Hokies benefited from it two years ago when they got Khalil Herbert, the running back. You know, he's playing for the Chicago Bears right now. So, great find. But it's just uh, – it's tough. And you, you do. You got to have a – whole department just dedicated to that i still think some of those stories like that are, are very far and few between amongst the you know thousands of kids that are in the transfer portal right there's some stories out there that i mean if, if, if i couldn't get time at one institution what makes me think i'm gonna get time with somebody else i mean i think my game is good but in reality i'm not that good yeah so and how many why do i think kids, i can play somewhere else right and how many of those kids when you think about it actually do better themselves you know, a lot of the kids that we have lost through the years, they've gone to lower division schools and some right. played there. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Not good in my mind. Driving in on Gasson, flicks it up and in over the front of the iron and down. Well, that's just clutch playing there. Two on the shot clock, gets the bucket to go. I was going to say the balance and the scoring for the Canes. Four guys in double figures and Wong's got six. He can explode anytime. A little backward pressure now. Double team comes, touches it left side. Extra pass, and Keve flushes. Oh, that's just so, so good passing big to big. That's 18 assists now, 22 field goals. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. The Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Mac McDonald and Ralph Sampson. Our guest today from Virginia Tech, Mike Burnup, former football player, Hall of Famer with Virginia Tech, and now longtime broadcaster, nearly 40 years. He's seen it all. Mike, when you think about the impact of the move to the Atlantic Coast Conference in 04, how did that affect Virginia Tech? It was pretty stressful uh, for everybody involved because you know, you kept thinking, okay, you're in and then you're out and then they're going to maybe bring in somebody else's, the Syracuse or the BCs, or you're going to get left out because, you know, you don't have the votes or whatever. So it was pretty stressful. But I think even before that, Mac, when you go back and think about it, when Hokies were independent, I mean, you just couldn't survive anymore. And when they got into the Big East, you know, that was huge back in whatever it was, early, mid-90s. That was certainly big because then it gave you an avenue to – be on TV to get bowl games, to be in a conference with people like the Miamis of the world that were really good back in the day then, because the independents, there weren't many. 
the Florida States, the Notre Dames, you know, the Navy armies, there weren't mm -hmm. many of them left. So that was huge. But then to take the next step and finally get into all the Big East and all sports helped. But then when you got into the ACC, which is where they all obviously needed to go and be for many years, was the icing on the cake. And then especially to have success in there uh, that they did early on, especially in football, was big. So you've seen a transition from one pretty good conference to what we think is the best conference in the world, ACC, and had to go through two transitions. Correct me if I'm wrong, because when they got recruited by Virginia Tech, they were in the Metro. Oh, my gosh. You think about it, and, you know, basketball was crazy. When I started, I guess it was uh, Bill Foster was coaching. Yeah. And then it was in the Atlantic 10 days. Oh, yeah, remember oh those? yeah. The Metro, the Metro days with old Charlie. And um, and you think about that when that, and they had some good teams back then, you know. You think about Denny Crum at Louisville and the Tulane's and yeah. and uh, gosh, the Memphis States with Keith mm. Lee. I mean, really good teams in that league. Southern Miss, you know, Bimbo Coles was playing those games and that that game that went 134, 131 or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were some crazy games in that league uh, in the old Metro days, and then the Atlantic Ten days with. Those teams that you played up there in the Northeast, it seemed like all the time. And then the Big East. Yeah, there were some different conferences, obviously, in basketball. That um, It was kind of interesting to see how they, grow, they grew and finally got to the one that you ultimately needed to be in because of the footprint and everything else. What do you think about the, the – now I'm going to cover the, the power conferences, the power school, no NCAA potentially, and all the big boys collaborating together and playing. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably is a good idea for football just because of the way it is now, you know. And it's kind of like the SEC is just taking over. I mean, what's going to happen now? It's hard to tell how, how that can be fair. I don't know how it's going to work, especially rating, you know, and getting to Texas and Oklahoma. You know, I'm just not sure how that's going to be good for everybody. So it'd be nice. I think you'd probably do that in football. There's so many basketball schools. I'm not sure how you do that with that. But uh, one super conference in football probably makes sense and just split away from the NCAA and just have their own commissioner and do their own thing, set their own TV up. Uh, I think it would be a big time moneymaker. Uh, Mike, before we got away today, and of course, athletically in the move in 04, certainly big for Virginia Tech, but when the, the, the shootings happened in 2016, how did that affect not only the community, but from an athletic standpoint? How did it affect Virginia Tech? I've always wanted to ask somebody that question. Yeah, I mean, it was just devastating to have that uh, a mass shooting like that. It's just something you just can't believe whatever happened, especially in your backyard. And just to hear the stuff going wrong from my office over on to campus, uh, it's just eerie what was happening with all that. And then you hear the numbers growing and the aftermath of all that and and what happened and why it happened. And, you know, then the memorial that they set up and had around the drill field near Burris Hall. I mean, it's just uh, eerie. It's hard to believe that that could ever happen, uh, but it changed everything. And, you know, in the spring game and all that stuff got canceled, I think football became, Coach Beamer became so involved in that and they're trying to heal uh, the whole community and the whole state. And then next year when they opened up that football season, uh, ESPN was here with East Carolina. We played that game against East Carolina. You talk about emotional and just um, somber mood around that game. It was something you'll never forget. Were you in the office that day? I was, yeah. And you just kind of kept hearing it on the radio and your alerts and whatnot and TV. And you're just like, that can't, that can't be. 
can't be happening. And it was a cold day. It was blowing snow. And it was just, um, yeah, the pictures, the video were just incredible. You sit there like you can't have it. You can't have it on your campus, right? I mean, you sit in yeah. the office and you just can't move. I mean, yeah, it's happening just, on the campus that you love. Yeah, mesmerized. Like, how could that happen in the backyard of a place like Blacksburg, Virginia? Yeah, you think of that in a big city or Chicago or somewhere like that, but not in Blacksburg. Yeah, and one person. I mean, come on. Well, boy, it changed everything in terms of, like, security and, and uh, building security and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, everything got changed because of that. Yes, it just, it just, I mean, I, I, I can remember the story and I, you know, had some people in that area as well and, and uh, bring back memories of where I was at, you know, you, sometimes you realize that I was here when that happened. And so yeah. you kind of can pinpoint stuff like that. And then every year you can reflect back on when somebody uh, it brings it up. It was just the other day that somebody worked, and that's two years since Kobe Bryant's incident, right? Like, oh, I just, it's two years ago by that quick. But I know where I was at. I was in the Staples and getting some office before I said, did you hear about Kobe Ryan? So same thing with just the Virginia Tech story. It's just like when the, the Twin Towers, you know, and the plane yes. on 9-11. I mean, you know where you were. You just remember that. And you're thinking, there's no way. I mean, that can't be happening. It's got to be an accident, not an act of terror. And then it just gets worse and worse from there on. And, uh, yeah, you just you, that's stuff you just etch in your brain. You never forget. I mean, to me, I, I, I kind of look around more. Uh, you know, after some of these things, for sure, like, okay, I'm aware of my, 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 where I'm at these days a lot more than I used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Even when you're sitting in an airport or yes, and funny, I mean, we're, we're in little old Roanoke in the airport several years back and, and some guy was over in a corner just like by himself and he was just being really weird and odd. And we, we went to the security because I've been in that Roanoke airport so many times <laughs> You know, this guy's acting kind of strange. You probably ought to go over there and check it out if he's going to be on our flight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And they didn't let the guy on the flight. I mean, he was over there meditating and doing all this stuff and acting strange. And yeah, they didn't let him on the flight. So yeah, I mean, you're it's, you're always on guard now. Like yeah. for the bowl game here, you know, whatever it was over Christmas. You know, anytime you go there, I think you got to be on guard, right? I mean looking around i mean you're just always like okay just keep your eyes open yeah yeah mike sure. during your time you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of really good people and um i told you when we talked earlier this week that um mike young has got to be one special guy i i like but i like buzz from afar of course when seth was there and you know ricky stokes had the job for a little while but mike young has got to be just one special individual Mike Young is Coach Beamer in sneakers. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. I mean, he's so great. He just gets it. He knows what it is. He gets it. He'll sit out there in the pregame and eat a little thing of popcorn, watching the other team warm up, talking to the other team's players, coaches. He's just uh, just a class act through and through. Everybody loves him, thinks it's a great hire. And, you know, Buzz, was uh, he was a different cat. You know, I think everybody knew that and understood that, but he mm -hmm. won. But Mike Young is just like Coach Beamer. It's just what you need for a program like this out here. I mean, he's been fantastic.
Well, Mike, we can't thank you enough. And uh, it's long overdue. Uh, we had Bud Foster on uh, a while back. Be sure and tell Bud. We got a lot of really good friends, good people there. But tell Bud we said hello. And uh, tell him that you you got to do center court with, with us. And uh, Exactly. So, so Mac, I'm a, I'm a cousin of mine named Charlie Thomas played there in the 70s. Oh, yeah. He was a really good basketball player. So I only like... Virginia Tech because he went there. I didn't like him, you know. Otherwise, but they recruited me really hard. But I know you've probably seen that name, and he's a cousin. Oh, I know. So we got some good basketball. Absolutely, because that was during my time. You know, the Bristow days, Alan Bristow. And- yes, yes, Alan Bristow and Charlie. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'd love to have you. You know that route, but you did you did okay, my man. <laughs> I didn't do too bad. I didn't do too bad. <laughs> yeah, but he admitted, watching- Mike. You didn't hear it. He admitted his best visit. Kentucky, best Virginia, best Virginia, Tech. Virginia Tech was in Blacksburg. How about so, that? For what that's oh, worth. Charlie now. Moore, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, I loved old Charlie. You know, Paige is back yeah. coaching at North Cross High School. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he wanted to get back into it, so he's at North Cross High School coaching. The great Mike Burnup, broadcaster since 1983, a member of the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame, a Virginia Sportscaster of the Year, and one of the guys that – can talk to you about anything at any time. He's an institution, and Mike has been one of the, the one of the greats to the media and a very loyal friend. So, Mike, with all that, we just can't thank you enough. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's great to be with two legends, and thanks for having me. And I'll tell them I saw Bud yesterday. Coach Beamer lives across the street from my house, so I'll definitely tell them. Oh yeah, tell them what we said. All right. Shorter. Yeah. This is the Winter Circle Network and Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Ralph and I come back and. Guess what's opening very, very soon? Yes, Ralph's Restaurant. We'll talk about that when we come back. To get into sportscasting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. I want to thank Mike Burnup once again for being a part of the show. Uh, Ralph, as I said, just quite an institution um, and and really a, a terrific friend and He's just a, you know, he's a guy that he played tight end. He had a, a record for receptions for a long time. And I mean, he just, as I said, he's all Virginia tech all the time, but even more than that, he's all people all the time. Mike Burnham could run for Senator. He's just a great guy. Well, yeah, Mike, I mean, great show. And, uh, you know, that history is uh, very special to go back and have somebody that was around when I played or understand the rivalry between Virginia, Virginia tech, even today, you know, it, it, it doesn't get any better than that from the state of Virginia. And uh, stories that you can go back and look at and hear and understand, uh, you know, what was back then. It's, I think listeners will enjoy just the whole dialogue we have with him. So great show. 
I'm going to give you a loaded question uh, before we talk about your restaurant. I know you were recruited by Virginia Tech at that point. Uh, I'm not sure. Would that have been Charlie Moyer? Was, how close? Charlie Moyer. How close were you? Mike, I took an official visit uh-huh. to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. With the best visit I had of all the four visits I've had. Uh, you know, say the number one visit. Tick Price was a player. Dale Solomon, Wayne Robertson. So I had a good nucleus of seniors right. that I thought that, you know, we could be pretty good. Uh, and I could have come in. I would have had two big wide bodies playing beside me, uh, protecting me. They had a couple of good guards, but they were, they were seniors. They wouldn't have been there but one year. Right. And then they went in a Metro conference, right? And that wasn't – Louisville was the only good team in that conference. And, it, and at the end, it didn't just feel right to go to Virginia Tech over Virginia because of the close proximity of home. Sure. And my mom and dad could come watch me play, you know, night in and night out with only an hour ride away. But Charlie, they did a, a heck of a recruiting job on me. They was at every game and every high school game. And uh, I enjoyed the process with them. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Well, uh, Ralph, if you, if you haven't heard us talk about it, Ralph's got a restaurant opening in Charlottesville very soon, the Ralph Sampson American Tap House, which uh, he's been doing wine tastings and, and you know, getting the menu just finalized. And you have a meatloaf name for Terry Holland. That's right. That's true. Well, it'd be something named after Coach Holland and Coach Bennett and maybe some other coaches. But um, Coach Holland's some of his favorite food was meatloaf and a steak. Okay. So you guys out there, just be aware it'll be the Terry Holland something, something, something on the menu, <laughs> uh, especially uh, created by Coach Holland. And, you know, Miss Holland's going to have her fingers in it as well. You already know that. He loved crabs now. He loved to eat crabs. Well, you know, he used to go to North Carolina and, and hang out down there and crab all the time. So uh, he's back in Charlotte now. So he's a meat potato guy, but I'm looking forward to doing something special for him for sure. All right. What's the open date? What's the target date? Well, target date is February 26th. I'm going to do a the last UVA basketball home game. I'm going to do a, a special event out there um, for people that, that you know, all my friends and basketball friends, what I want to give them first dip that, in, that day. But then the following day, it'll be wide open for dinner. So everybody out there, stay tuned. Be look at your Facebook pages or your Instagram pages. We'll start posting stuff more frequently now. Now I'm getting a little excited, Mac. Not, not a whole lot, just a little bit. A lot of work now going in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a frenzy right now, but I'm excited about that. Oh, that'll be good. Well, look, have a good weekend, and we will certainly catch up with you next week right here on Center Court. We'll be here. Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald at Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. members save on meeting up with friends save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups that's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier plus members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods plus when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship start a show together with your included paramount plus subscription walmart plus members save on this plus so much more start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com
Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now, I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.